0: Very leader, to trap one
1: over. Trap one, we you leader, over. Hello, you're listening to the Trap One podcast. My name is Mark McManus. Uh, today I'm delighted to be joined by Ruth Long and Samuel Maleski, project leads on the upcoming Clara Oswald: The Untold Adventures. Hi guys.
2: Hello, it's lovely to be Hi. back
1: and it's lovely to come here for the first time Yes, welcome (laughs) Ruth, we first spoke about this project on the podcast back in January
2: 2018 Yes, God, I can't believe it's that long ago now Um... Yeah, a lot has happened since then, because uh, that was really just after we'd officially announced the project, mm. although I'd been kind of in the works for a few months um, before that. Um, but yeah, that was when things were really, you know, the ball was getting rolling and the drafts were getting devised and everything like that. So yeah, a whole lot has um, progressed since then. Um, we've still got some way to go, but yeah, it's come really far and it's, it's just grown massively since it started like um we, we
0: looked at like the amount of words that like the completed season mm-hmm. will have i think we ended up pretty much in the province of harry potter and the order of the phoenix yeah so, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a big it's boy a
2: lot. yeah <laughs> if, if um i mean that was one of the reasons we decided like we're gonna have to Focus on a digital platform because we are like, if we like wanted to print this thing, it would be like, oh my god, I don't even want to think about the costs, yeah. honestly, <laughs> for producing it. And I also like just the practicality, we'd probably have to release like several volumes or something. It would be, yeah.
0: We'd basically have to win the lottery in order to start it. And the BBC would the BBC shut us down anyway. So, you
2: know, that would it's not, not worked out but obviously yeah it is like we we we, um we did have like word count caps for each of the stories but some of them kind of like organically just expanded um to the point where we had to you know we 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 felt that we wanted to accommodate that as much as possible um so obviously that's going to be a a challenge in itself translating all of that to the digital platform um but yeah, so yeah, um, and there's so many different people working on it now. Um, I think there's about 37 people all together working on it in some capacity. Um, so we got the writers, and then you got some behind the scenes people, um, and then all of the artists, obviously. Um, so yeah, it's, it's become this really cool, um, massive thing, and, and the response to it has been really lovely to see as well, and lots of people are excited about it, which is nice.
1: Fantastic, yeah, it always seems like a real labour of love, uh, the mm-hmm. amount of time you've put into it, so yeah, it's interesting to hear about how it's expanded from when you first um, had the idea and everything, um, and, and reading through the, the material you have put out on the website, um, mm-hmm. you're saying you've got um, an arc across across the series, so it's structured like a Doctor Who TV series, how much of that was fixed when you had the idea, and how much of it has, has changed once the stories came in? Yeah.
2: Initially, like, it was kind of just an idea. I, I was, I remember back in, it was like 2016 or something, I was chatting to a friend, and we just kind of had this crazy idea. What if, you know, because the BBC aren't going to do anything with it, and um, obviously they haven't, like, with Big Finish or any of the tie-in novels, they just haven't touched Clara's character at all. So we thought, you know, that that's such a, it's such an interesting premise, I think. Um, there's so much you can do with it, and... Um, you Know we did, I just had that idea, and then kind of especially because a lot of um, friends in the community that I'm um quite close with they've um done their own kind of series um in prose form and things like that. Um, actually, um, there's a series, uh, an audio series that came out um called The Twelfth Doctor Adventures that Janine Rivers, who um is one of the writers on our team, uh, did the show running for the first series of and um you know it was really inspiring because seeing everyone you know seeing what fans could produce really um being inspired by the show to make their own content um I think that's really true to like the spirit of Doctor Who um so with this project it kind of started off just me you know getting in touch with all the writer friends I knew and um us just like talking about it like Sam Sam's been there from the start so <laughs> um, and uh, yeah it just steadily got bigger and bigger we talked different arcs we we kind of got together uh, Caitlin Sam and a few of us um, I kind of looked at yeah, it
0: was more Caitlin and you and I kind of came afterwards.
2: Oh, yeah, but you've been massive in, like, developing the arc and stuff. Um, yeah, so like, basically
0: you had sorted out, like, a lot of the, the character mm-hmm. stuff. And I think, like, like, in terms of arcs, the series was developed a lot, starting from Clara's character mm-hmm. and me's character, to a certain extent, and how they would develop and how they would function in that post- Hell bent storytelling space, and like, and once like few writers had started like to get on on this thing, and that it, we had like like that at this point where we can just put like see the, the actual plot arc
1: in place. Mm-hmm like, the way I
0: got involved, like, I was just supposed to write uh, an episode at the beginning and at one point, like, Bruce asked me uh, about, like, concepts for um, for the plot arc and I just kept sending her very long Twitter DAs yeah. for, like, weeks and at one point she basically went, okay, you're just, you're just going to come on board because it'll be much more convenient that way and, like, and, and you can kind of, like, uh, like, ends basically was fixed pretty early on and it was kind of like about how to get to that point not not how like the entire Clara story ends but like this series
2: storyline does yeah um so um Yeah, like Sam was saying, it basically organically came from the character arc we wanted to kind of explore. Um, Like Caitlin and I um, and a few other um, people on the team, um, we were kind of like... Series 9 is really interesting because it's very... I want to say it's quite Doctor-focused. He's the POV character in a lot of ways, um, whereas Clara was more the POV character in Series 8 and it was more her story. Series 9 is more about the Doctor, although it's also very much about Clara in in a more distant sense, I suppose. It's more about her, her kind of role in the narrative and, um, and, you know, Hellbent's all about redefining what it means to be a Doctor Who companion and kind of testing the limits, you know, having a companion just take on the doctor's mantle completely at the end um but interestingly like there are a lot of she doesn't quite undergo a conventional character arc in that series in that she doesn't overcome some great flaw and actually you know they play out this thing about her recklessness and she never really overcomes that she just hits the wall of her death and you know, that's it until she's given a second chance. So there's this character arc just, all of the seeds of this character arc there, like right there for us. Um, so we just wanted to take that and roll with it. And you know, all of the plot concepts uh, and Mii's arc, it all kind of serves to complement that main storyline that we felt that Series 9 left open for us.
0: Uh, because Clarice is, is, is a veteran. I, that's why I really kind of connect and Reasoning with her, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but she's kind of an asshole. Like, mm-hmm. she's, she's, you know, she, 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 she's, she, but she is kind of selfish and has a lot of, I think, issues and complexes that aren't necessarily addressed in the show. Like, mm-hmm. they acknowledged, but she doesn't, like, get over it. Mm-hmm. In, um, I think that's a way she's very different, for instance, from Amy. Who also has a lot of mental health telling, but has kind of this arc of 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 overcoming her problems and difficulties. Whereas Claire, so like kind of the message of Hellbent in a way is that if you're just a human being with flaws and with mental health issues, which I think is very very good and very affirming, but at the same time, the so show doesn't necessarily make a address all of that. So mm-hmm. You ended up with, like, immortality and, yeah, the power of going anywhere in time and space while still having a lot of unaddressed issues. It makes for
2: interesting stories, mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because she's always been, to me at least, and to a lot of people, she's been one of the most flawed, just characters in general, the show's had. Um and, uh, and, and yeah, Sam's absolutely right. She doesn't deal with her issues in a healthy way at all. Like you look at series eight, she lies, she tries to keep her world separate. That all falls apart. Danny dies. She goes off the edge, betrays the doctor. That all falls apart. Um, by by last Christmas, she's not really dealing thing, with things in a healthy way. She hasn't moved past, you know. She hasn't found a way to channel her grief into something productive. She feels kind of like she's just treading water. She she does not she does not deal with things in a healthy way, just whatsoever. Um, you kind of she's she like as someone was saying about Amy. It's almost like her arc is in the opposite direction because Amy starts off quite irresponsible in a lot of ways she can't face up to her problems um she's always trying to escape from them and um, pushing people away things like that um And then you see over the course of her her series with the Doctor that she does learn to grow up. It's almost like a kind of Wendy and Avaland situation. Um, And her arc closes with her settling down um, and having a fulfilling life on Earth um, with Rory. And then Clara starts off being one of the more kind of, she has strict boundaries, she's very responsible. And then that falls away with each successive series. And um, you see that arc very prominently. And yeah, um, this showed, one of the nice things is that um, the show doesn't condemn her for them. Like it shows her with all of these flaws, but it still embraces her as a character. Um, And then you get, but then you do have the thing of, she is never really able to face up to the consequences of her not dealing with things properly. Um, And, you know, her, her answer to all of her grief and all of her kind of, problems in series 9 is just to run away from them just to embrace the adrenaline junkie kind of side of things um and it's not necessarily even a conscious thing for her i don't think it's more like she just wants to subconsciously avoid dealing with her issues um but then you, you like i said you, you have um help bent which is very much framed as oh happy go lucky we're off to new adventures it's very triumphant but like if you actually thought about what would happen after that point, it opens up so many questions and so many kind of possibilities for conflict. And, um, yeah, there's just so much you can explore there, really.
1: I suppose, yeah, you, you the point that you leave her at, she knows at some point she has to go back mm. to Gallifrey to step back into the, um, I forgot the name of the, the device, but the one that we'll put yes. up.
2: extraction yeah. Extraction
1: chamber, yeah, yeah. Um, so for her, it's a case of when she's had enough, isn't it? I suppose when, when she's seen enough and done enough that she's mm-hmm. she's prepared to do that. Um, and there's echoes of the doctor in that as well, I guess, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're kind of thinking about um, the the wedding of River Song, where the doctor knows he's, he's got to go and sort of um, you know, face his face, mm. it's, it's the call to the nursing home when he finds out that the Brigadier's died that kind of mm-hmm. finally makes that decision for him. So, um, there's, and obviously like oh, throughout series eight, it's all about Clara being like the doctor and mm-hmm. taking on that mantle and stuff. So there's, there's echoes throughout, isn't there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and the interesting thing about that is, you know, with this particular premise, like, like you say, it's got the setup of Doctor Who. You've got the doctor figure, you've got the companion figure. But there's so many differences and so many ways that it deviates from the classic Doctor Who formula. Because, obviously, she isn't the Doctor. She has some similarities in personality. But, like, they do have very different perspectives. They are very different backgrounds. Um, and Mia's, you know, in no way the normal conventional companion. Um, in many ways, she has certain elements of the Doctor that Clara doesn't have. Like the immortality, the experience, um,
1: She's lost a family as well, which which the Mm. doctor has and you know, having had a family and then and then lost it and so on,
2: yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And um, and also there's the fact that with the doctor and also with Clara to an extent, you know, he his relationship with Gallifrey is similar to her relationship with Earth, but not quite the same because where with with Earth Like, basically, everyone, according to everyone who who knew Clara on Earth, she's dead. Mm. So she's dead to everyone who knew her. She's, in her mind, forgotten by the doctor. So basically, she's been cut off from all of that, all of her past. And, um, And it's really interesting exploring that, because on the one hand... She's not a character that, I think Stephen Moffat said in Doctor Who magazine, that she's a character that's lost her sense of home. Um, She just doesn't have anything tying her to Earth anymore. But at the same time, as you've probably seen in our episode previews, we do bring her back to Earth. And when that does happen, it opens up some really interesting questions. Um, Like there's one particular story which I'm really, really excited about. Um, Heroes for Ghosts, which sees her return to Earth. Set after her death chronologically. Um, And it's really interesting to have a character going back to the place. You know where they died essentially, um, and seeing how she responds to that, and how that that forces her to face up to certain issues that she may have been avoiding. Um, so yeah, there's just so many things you can do with this premise, and um, I think you know with with each of the individual episodes, we've really tried to make the most of that, and kind of asked what is the most interesting thing we can do with this character and with me's character. What's the most conflict we can create, um, and how does that like organically evolve and i think we've done a really um really good job of that um and i think it very much feels to me at least at least i hope we've we've pulled it off um like something you'd see in say the capaldi era it's got that kind of similar tone um similar focus on character arcs and stuff like that
0: yeah we we kind of wanted it 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 wasn't really something like we came out like right off the bat wanted to do, but it evolved like that, where we kind of ended up mimicking in a way the structure of Series 8, in a way. Uh, Obviously with Clara in the place of the Doctor, where she's kind of in that space of, you know, because in Series 8 there's this whole, uh, I don't know who the Doctor is anymore, am I a good man? And, you know, her identity crisis isn't framed along the same lines at all. I don't think Clara would like ever ask, "Am I a good woman?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she's not. It's not her, but like she is in that kind of mode of having to ask, "Okay, what am I about? What should I do now? Who am I?" And like uh, you were talking about, like how we can kind of tailor the stories to. Fit, like Clara's point of view and yeah, I, I think it's actually something that a lot of um, Who writers did like there, there was this whole point like during the, the wilderness here when the show was off the air where they kind of you know, b- both continued writing stuff like setting the boundaries Doctor Who but also kind of try to put other characters in the place of the Doctor mm-hmm. and like that actually changes a lot of things
1: Built on the character of the Doctor and on the perspective of the Doctor Mm -hmm. as a
0: character, as like an aristocrat, as like this sort of shape shifting person who can shift in different settings, different genres. Whereas when you put uh, another character who comes from a different place, a different sociological context, that changes
1: basically everything. Mm -hmm. And like, I think with with Clara you have like a lot of stuff, for instance, about um about like her literary background and the mm-hmm. fact that she's an English teacher and that
0: willingly or not, like sort the series ended up kind of very literary. There's like a lot of a lot of playing on literary genres, on references, um mm-hmm. which like wasn't even
2: something like we planned. It's just no, like,
0: it's the writers just the, like, ended up doing it, like, I know, uh, Deb, uh, Deb das, who writes for, uh, like, did kind of, um, uh, science fiction riff on Shakespeare, for mm-hmm. instance, there's another episode that's very, like, uh, thousand gothic, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, kind of thing, uh, Yeah. I'm not going to say what I did because that would take to be a spoiler, but yeah. basically, like, <laughs> like, 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 so deep
2: for the story I wrote solo was basically, came basically right off from my notes in compare literature classes in uni. So mm-hmm. it's,
0: it's coherent.
2: Yeah, and I think um, the prose format actually lends really well to that because we can do things that you just, you couldn't do with a televised show, or even an audio, like um, with this, with As You Like It, um, which is uh, the story Sam was talking about, the one that's um, inspired by Shakespeare, and you know, the title's taken right out of Shakespeare. Um, that's kind of almost framed like a play. Um, so we can use the structure of that story to and hopefully because I want to play around with different formats when we release digitally really take advantage of that and um, make the experience feel like you're at as much as you can in this format at an evening at the theatre and you're watching a play play out something like that um, and that's <laughs> it's actually one of the longest stories in the series um, it's
0: really long it's very long <laughs> it's, what 30 uh, 30-
2: thousand words something like that (laughs) Thirty-eight (laughs) thousand. well it's
0: it's we're we're editing
2: it yes (laughs) it's it's it's, it's
0: it's a very long boy
2: um but fortunately like i said because of the structure you can split that into acts and split that into scenes so actually what we've done is we've managed to implement it in a way that that really complements the, the um kind of aesthetic of it um there's another episode actually which is almost like told in the form of audio logs um or like uh, news reports and things like that. Um, so we're, we're playing around with that format as well. And there's a whole lot of, of different things you can do. Um, and every story has this kind of unique feel to it. And some of them are quite experimental and some of them are more kind of conventional, like Doctor Who short stories that like you'd find in an anthology. Um But we're making sure that everyone has a kind of unique feel like a Doctor Who episode would um, in the TV show, Um, because that's really what we're trying to go for here. Like, imagining when you're following the series, you're following a televised series of Doctor Who, um, and uh, only, you know, different characters, and it's in prose form, but um, we're trying to make it quite a unique kind of experience, Um, and... um, and, yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of plans to make it feel as much like a, a TV episode as possible. Um, even, I don't know if I'm speaking to you and this, but I'm currently working on a title sequence, um, which is coming along quite well, and I'm really excited about it. Cool.
1: <laughs> Just to pick up on something you said, Sam, about um, you know, the characters that uh, have I suppose one of the biggest kind of um, precedents for this is Benny Summerfield. Um, she's from the the seventh Doctor new adventures is that something that you look back a little bit on to see how it was done there? Or? <laughs> oh,
0: I I was Bernice Summerfield. Like, I I would say that she's my favourite Doctor Who companion, even on top of Clara. But um, yeah. I don't I don't think she even like qualifies the Doctor Who companion at this point because she basically had yeah. like twenty years of solo adventures and books and mm-hmm. things. Uh, I, I, I really like Bernie Semmerfield. Well I don't I I think that yeah in like this this kind of it's kind of the same principle is that like you replace the Doctor by this character and that kind of changes a lot of things uh, about like the way like the show functions. Because like Bernie Summerfield like the so building blocks are the same, uh, at the very least when Big finished the cover. Like, they had the right of using all sorts of aliens and stuff. You know, you have the draconians and whatever. Um, but, like, because, because it's her as a central focus, everything is very different. Uh, I actually wrote like a few articles and like blog posts on there because it's, it's quite truly really interesting. Because like you know, Doctor Who has a, has a certain vision of history where it's kind of sometimes kind of a bit abstract and, you know, you have like it's very like snapshotty, you get like these little vignettes of history and mm-hmm. well, obviously like, like we've seen in the, the later season with Rose Edim and the Punjab. Whereas Bernice Summerfield, who's an archaeologist, um, like has a very different way of like um, exploring all that. I think, like for instance, something that really finds out is just how much she gets constantly the, sh- the shit beaten out of her <laughs> in like. Every other story is like this. Woman is in constant pain. <laughs> it's, no, 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 it's really interesting because I think like there's kind of this almost like history manifesting herself, manifesting itself through her body and through her physicality, which is something you would never see in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like the closest we ever get we ever got was like Jolly um, Whittaker almost being threatened by a cop in Rosa. Mm-hmm. But, like, even then, you know, like, you know, she is not a black protester in the street, whereas Bernice Humbert, you know, black eyes but she has, like, that kind of physical response with history. And, you know, it's not the same with Clara, but it's, it's that kind of principle of looking at the show through a very different mm-hmm. lens. And actually, we, we do get a bit, like, in, like, historical experiences, because it's very, very... It's very really interesting because you know, like Clara and me have had extremely different experiences mm-hmm. of history where where Clara has been able to like kind of enjoy it and just like jump jump up and up and down the timeline and have mm-hmm. fun. Or as me, you know, you have seen the women who lived. Mm-hmm. She hasn't had a lot of fun with history. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because you have kind of had like some of them really contrasting perspectives. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And obviously, because you know, I, I wrote like a, a few episodes and did a lot of editing, I, I worked in a lot of Bernie Summerfield references. Yeah, <laughs> so there a, a lot of <laughs> discreet, but there's there. Uh, Yeah, I, I really like
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, absolutely. Um, it, 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 is, it is fascinating how if you put a certain character in that universe in the similar sort of context, how different it can be. It's almost like when you have a different doctor that changes the whole feel of the show, Mm. but in some ways, even more so because, you know, the doctor still is the same character, but this is a completely different character. um, And it, it, if you look at like, um, different spin-offs, you can kind of see that in like uh, the River Song audios a bit, although that touches so much with Doctor Who because obviously the Doctor's in a lot of those sets. Um, in the Missy kind of spin-off stuff, um, that changes it because you've got the Master as the central character. Um, yeah, so there's the yeah.
0: War Master audios so it did with the Red Dracobi
2: too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But I think, I think what's particularly interesting about Clara is um she's a companion uh but she's also someone who aspires to be the doctor but she's also a very normal person in a lot of ways I mean she's she's a normal person who doesn't really want to be normal and um she's kind of like almost in some ways an avatar for a Doctor Who fan she's someone who's like constantly just in love with this idea of being the doctor but isn't um And, um, and one of the things I found so empowering about her ending is, it is saying you don't have to be a Time Lord from Gallifrey to be the Doctor. You can be just a regular person from Earth and, you know, you can still aspire to that. Um, and, you know, you're not, I know people sometimes take issue that she didn't stay dead, but I think that would have been such a depressing message to send, really. Like, well, she tried to be the Doctor, but she couldn't because that's the rules, um, and I don't think Doctor Who's ever been about that, really. It's always been about having that inspiring kind of message of hope and empowerment for people, especially, you know, when you look back in in the context of it, um, the Doctor-Companion dynamic has very much been the Doctor's a man, the Companion's a woman, historically. And to have a woman actually fly off in the TARDIS, even before the 13th Doctor was cast, it was a great kind of you know, lead into that. And it was a a great way of kind of paving the way towards that Um, in the same way that the Master Regenerating to Missy had that same kind of empowerment. Um, But yeah, um, there's something really interesting because she's kind of almost the avatar for for us, having her in these different contexts and throwing her into these contexts, only there's no doctor, there's no kind of... You have me on the sidelines who's kind of like the cynical grandma <laughs> or the cynical teenager, depending on her mood. Um, But she doesn't have that same impulse that the doctor has towards heroism. And Clara has that um, to see her in that position. But she doesn't necessarily have the same level of experience or technical knowledge or alien knowledge that he has. So sometimes she's thrown into situations and she just she's not. Always very good at it, um, but she tries. I mean, she she can be amazing, as we see in episodes like Flatline. But also, she's not. She doesn't have the same level of experience. So to see someone maybe thrust into situations that they are just not prepared for, like she hasn't been through the time war. She hasn't, you know, seen half of the stuff doc- the doctor has. So sometimes she's going to be put into positions that are very morally complex, let's put it that way Um, and because she is the kind of the main one whose shoulders it rests on to make those calls um, she can sometimes, you know maybe not always make the right choice or maybe make a choice and not necessarily know whether it was the right one and um, we're definitely exploring that a lot um, because I think and that's very much in the spirit of the Capaldi era but I think it's, it's so interesting to see that in kind of a regular person's shoes almost um, or at least someone more regular than the doctor in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah I think like one, one big difference between the doctor or at the very least during the couple, the, the couple of the year you can kind of give the feeling that he doesn't <laughs> like being the doctor all that much like he you knows there's a lot of fun and games, but especially towards the towards the late Capaldi era, you know, mm-hmm. that's really something that, that he brought us the this this sort of physicality, this sense of tiredness, of fatigue, of just like being done. with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Clara on the other on the other hand, she really mm-hmm. likes being so mm-hmm. Like I don't think this actually likes it
2: too much <laughs> because that would get into like some sort of weird <clears kind> of, <throat> gendered Territory, but she likes it a lot, and mm. that comes with some uh, interesting moral grayness as a mm-hmm. result. Yeah, there's definitely an element of, you know, is like the Doctor. He's very much the kind of the hero who didn't set out to be a hero, um, and that's one of the great appeals of the Doctor in any of their incarnations. Um, is the fact that the Doctor didn't set off across the stars to save worlds and to be this great heroic figure and to have stories written about them. Um, whereas there's a bit of an element with Clara about almost being on a bit of a power trip. Um, like, she gets a kick out of this. She's she's very egotistical, she's very vain, and she always gets out a kick of not role-playing, but being in that role and... Um, And that's not necessarily a very healthy thing, um, especially in the context of you have a time machine, you have a TARDIS, you can go to these places, you can land yourself in these crazy situations, and you trying to play the hero can backfire massively sometimes because, you know especially as Me Mii's character brings to the table, like she's not a character out of this crazy sci-fi series in a lot of ways. She's someone who has just lived through the very worst of humanity, of life, and so you have these two kind of perspectives clashing up with each other and um and one of them's got to win out eventually. So it's kind of almost like reality versus fiction or fantasy. Um and seeing those two things collide. Um, and that's another nice thing about having Clara's character, um, is that because she's from a very grounded background, you can kind of use her... You can see how much her character has, on one on the one hand, um, distanced herself from that very ordinary background. Um, at the same time, she's also irrevocably a part of it. Um, so so yeah, it's it's really fascinating to explore and really really interesting.
1: It's also what occurs to me there. it's like you know the doctor who started. You had Ian and Barbara, and they represented mm-hmm. science and history. And now with um, with Clara and me, it's almost like like English and stories and literature, yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. history and, and the kind of the, uh, the the conflict between them there as well.
2: Uh. Yeah, I suppose you could put it that way. That's a really interesting... Yeah, that's. I really like that. Like, me's almost history and Clara's literature. That's that's quite a nice way of putting it. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So reading the synopses of the story, it seems like immortality is going to be a theme through some of the stories. Um, is that sort of a challenge to write two immortal characters in terms of creating Jeopardy? Well...
0: You see, you see, you know, you can look at it two different ways. You can say, on one hand, you know, it's a challenge because it's hard creating, like, um, stakes. You know, tension, yeah. stakes, yeah. On the other hand, it's really fun because you can do absolutely everything everything you want to them <laughs> they will still be able to walk away from it <laughs> but you know it really allows you to like flex the most sadistic parts of your brain it's really fun
1: I love it, it can be like a roadrunner cartoon or something where like boulders oh, are dropped on them and they,
2: yeah. <laughs> um well yeah that's that's a really interesting point I mean I, I don't want to get into um spoiler territory but as Sam's kind of hinted at um it does allow us to, to get creative <laughs> in some ways. But I think the only really important thing to remember is um, you can have, a, like, there are more stakes than just, um, you know, physical. Really, you can't. Life or death mm. stakes aren't the only stakes you can have. There are certainly, you know the doctor. We know the doctor's never going to actually die, and yet we still we're still compelled to follow him because mm. there are other stakes. There are the stakes of people around. You know the lives of people around him. There are moral stakes. And there I think mean, it's always...
0: also the same in like uh, Torchwood. You Ooh, know, exactly. like yeah. Jack Harkness can die either. Mm. Also, you have like a cast of disposable agents around it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: And, um, I think, I think really what's interesting is that Clara's not really immortal in a conventional way. She's not necessarily, you know, we know that she dies. She is technically, she's functionally immortal. She's not
1: Mm. immortal
2: in the same way as me is. She's kind of in this Schrodinger's companion kind of state of, um, not being quite alive, not being quite dead, um, so as a result, you know her death hangs heavily over the whole series. It's constantly there, hanging over it in the background, because really she's just she's she's procrastinating her death essentially, um, and you know the help. Uh, I don't really want to get into spoiler territory, mm-hmm. territory too much, but help Ben. Obviously made it very clear that pulling someone out of their time stream is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a safe thing. Otherwise, you know, the Time Lords could just whip someone out anytime, time and, you know, there'd be no problems. Everything would be fine. And it would basically negate the idea of death, you know. Um, and, you know, we're not here to like to diminish Clara's death or anything like that it's very, very central to the series and to the character. And
0: there's this idea that if you she like, deaths like she did, there's going to be consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, the consequences are going to be, like, yeah, she's going to die. And, you know, like, something, like, just, like, grim, dark, and pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, like, there's going to be, like, maybe certain... Parties that are interested in what she's going to do now. I'm not going to get into more details, but, like, it's dramatically interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's... You just have to look at... You were saying, like, Series 6 of Doctor Who. Um, I know not everyone's a great fan of the finale or the arc. I, I personally love it. Um, but if you look at that, the Doctor's trying to avoid his death and um, and he's trying to have adventures and trying to find a way out of it. And that's not really what this series is about necessarily, but it has the same kind of uh, sense of doom hanging over it in a way mm. um, because you know that her death is the end game. And we're not, you know we're not going to try and take away from the impact of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more its more the fact of how she uses the time she has um, and why, you know, exactly why she's putting it off. Because I don't think she's scared of her death in, you know, in the same way as, she, you know, she's not running away from it as such, because she faced up to it.
0: We all face the raven
2: in the end. It's not that, so the question really is, what is it that made her say, you know, she had to tell us, she'd say goodbye to the doctor. Why didn't she go back right then and there? And we're kind of asking the question, why did she choose to take the long way around? Um, and how long is that going to be? And what's going to happen? And what does that actually mean? What are the consequences of, of making that decision Uh, when you know you have a responsibility um, and you don't necessarily know what the full impact of that choice is going to be. So that's what really makes it interesting. And, um, you know, me is a character that has been immortal for us for God knows how long, like we we don't even know how old she is. She's so ancient now. Um, So her immortality is very, very different from Clara's, which is kind of almost a pseudo immortality. Um, and um, and uh, you know they both have very different kind of opinions on the matter, um, and they both kind of use uh, the kind of I don't want to say uh, uh, leniency that immortality grants them. They use it very differently, um, and Karen not always responsibly. <laughs> so um, so yeah, that's really really interesting, and and you do have that shift from you know it's not a question of will this character survive uh this mortal pal it's what what will they do in this situation how will they act to protect others and how can their own sense of invincibility harm other people because if you feel invincible you're not necessarily going to be as careful with other people necessarily like because because she doesn't have that experience whatsoever so there's a lot of Kind of interesting scenarios that can present as a result, um, and also, yeah, there is always that ultimate destination hanging over it all, um, because we know from you know, we saw her in Twice Upon a Time, she does face it in the end, mm-hmm. um, so we know that's the end, but we just don't know, you know, yeah. what happens in between and and what, what could, uh, you know, um, go wrong in between.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you're a lot. Thinking about what you. A lot goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, we were talking about the the consequences of it being extracted from a timeline at, at mm. that point. Um, kind of makes me think. Uh, you know, is that how the Time Lords brought Russell on back in the Time War, and mm. the, the suggestion in the Tenth Doctor era that they were messing around too much and kind of crossing all kinds of boundaries to do to do stuff like that, and and the all the kind of um, all stuff to describe like the uh, the. The never been king and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so the, the time lords would have a perspective on what that that can lead to as mm-hmm. well. Um, ultimately, you know, if you, if you go too far, um, yeah,
0: it's got a very faction paradoxy energy, Yeah, <laughs> a bit.
2: yeah and um, there's definitely a, an idea of um, you know her, her story is kind of. It's tied to. It's been tied to that from the very beginning, from the doctor's time stream to Transalor. I mean, she, she's basically a known entity to these people, mm-hmm. and um, and she's you know she's done a lot uh, that could be considered um, a crime to them. Mm-hmm. And and um, but you know it's interesting to see um, how exactly. Um, I've got to be very careful, <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting to see how uh, other established parties in the Doctor Who Universe might react to this, based on you know the the, the context of the show and and uh, various kind of expanded material and things like that. Um, there's a lot of, of different things we've drawn on um, in coming up with the kind of wider. Se- um, series arcs and things like that
0: well like we didn't want it to be like too continuity heavy no like there's there's not there's not like a huge lot in terms of uh, recurring monsters recurring characters I like, think we, we've we, we've been like pretty pretty reasonable mm-hmm. like in terms of fan service like there's a lot of little mentions and easter eggs everywhere because you know like writers yeah. but like as a big plot element it's kind of mostly focused on Clara kind of this vague general concept if that makes sense mm-hmm. reacts mm-hmm. to her more
2: than like have like a three part showcase with Daleks learning to uh, deal with Clara yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be amazing. maybe like
0: Maybe,
2: like, in five years, real yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um Well, she's got yeah. a bit,
1: quite history with the Daleks as well, hasn't she, with the um, the, the splinter in Asylum of the Daleks and then uh, in the Witches Familiar and things, so I guess that's uh, something... Well,
2: yeah, um, like, we're not going to... I mean, I don't want to say too much, but no. we, we do really... There aren't many, if any returning monsters in this series there might be some popping up here and there but nothing kind of major Um, and there's a very big reason for that part of it is us wanting to kind of establish this series as its own thing really Um, and we didn't want to over rely on familiar worlds or concepts or um, monsters and we wanted to really let the writers pour their own creativity into coming up with original ideas Um, but um, kind of just Going on a bit of a tangent, her relationship with the darks has always like fascinated me. Um, and um because it's very different from from mo- like anyone's relationship with the dark, because it's very psychological mm-hmm. and it's very much like I mean, the woman's been shut in a Dalek like three times now. <laughs> That's got like there's something up there. Um, and um, yeah, so if we were ever to go in that direction and explore that uh, concept there'd be a lot a lot of interesting material to work from there um I,
0: I think also a reason why we kind of didn't do that much uh returning monsters in the series is that you know like voluntarily or not we kind of ended up mimicking a lot of series 8 structure i think and series 8 wasn't like huge on returning monster eyes it was you mm-hmm. know very psychological, mm-hmm. very character-driven, and, you know, you obviously have, like, Messi and Cybermen, you know, like, you know, you know there are some, and we're going to have some, but it's not really, like, the focus, you know, it's not series 9, which has, like,
2: the mm-hmm. oh, Zygots, like, yeah. <laughs> and
0: the Daleks, and Davros, and the Master, and the Time Lords, and it's, like, It'll probably, like, going to kind of fit into Series 9, like, passion a bit more. So there'll, there'll probably be a lot more fan service in, like, subsequent ones. But for now, we're, we're keeping it relatively quiet.
2: Yeah, I mean, the temptation would obviously be, let's have her, uh, I don't know, meet River Song or meet Captain Jack. Or there's so many, you know, you could do those things, mm. but... Um, Although, like, I love the idea of those um, kind of meetings and things like that. We, we didn't I, want it to... I will it to
0: Bernie Stella, Phil Cross. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you will. We've talked about this. Um, but, yeah. I have
1: a lot. This is Captain um, Jack's the interesting one because he's another immortal, isn't he? So it's, it's another perspective on... Yeah, on I mean,
2: problem. I've always found it... I always think it would be really funny like to imagine because they're all immortal in slightly different ways. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if, say, you were to shoot each of them in the head, different things would happen. <laughs> so that would be quite interesting to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we didn't want it to be a case of just throwing everything in the kitchen sink in this series. And because it's not – a, we wanted everything to kind of come organically from – where this character was at and if you bring in past characters that can not necessarily it could distract from it if it's yeah. not the right character um, and and sometimes a character's just not in the right place like if you look at the husbands of river song um, that was perfect for to follow hellbent because River was just the person the Doctor needed at that point.
0: Yeah. Um, and even in River's timeline, like yeah. it comes after the Angel's Stick Manhattan, so mm-hmm. you know, she's kind of in a very interesting psychological space herself, so it works really well.
2: Yeah, and it works kind of as an epilogue to the series 9 finale like thematically um, so and, and you know, we haven't played coy with where returning characters do occur in this series um, I mean there might still be surprises you never know but um, we've been very clear that there's she's not really a returning character but Jane Austen does pop up in this series there's a story about her and Clara um, it's wonderful
0: yeah
2: I, I play still not <laughs> um, it's it's um, because you know that was hinted at in the show with a few throwaway lines but we, we wanted to really explore that um and um so that's one of the stories and yeah it is it's is amazing it's absolutely brilliant um and then you know one of the the other late stories uh sees danny pink pop up again um and uh, that that is going to be a very interesting story indeed. Um, it is, yeah, it's it's insane that yeah. story. So.
0: Yeah, it's 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 the one right before the finale, so you know there's kind of a lot of lot of things happening.
2: Yes, um, but not necessarily in the way you'd expect. It's not like a a first part to a finale or anything like that. It's mm. it's more of kind of closing. It's kind of a calm before the storm, but it's also a bit of a storm itself. It's 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 very much a lead into the finale, like themes wise um, and character wise, definitely. It's, it's kind of
0: where uh, really, really dark, I think <laughs> good, good way to
1: describe it. So, I mean, probably not something that affects um, Clara over the timescale. I'm guessing of, of this series, but. Did you kind of make a decision about whether she has the same memory limitations as as me, as in she can remember a normal human lifespan and then things start to fade, or is that not something you need to worry about yet?
2: Well, that is something we have talked about extensively. Like, we've covered all of our bases, like, (laughs) a fair bit, Um, especially during those initial stages where it was just long conversations, um, trying to kind of... Think as far ahead as we could. Um, but this series in particular, it does take place over a very short time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the the series starts literally like a like couple of days after Hellbent because we didn't want, um, I, I mean, I've, I've read like past post hellbent stories in the past where it's been like in 60 years time or whatever and I feel like that's kind of missing some of the most interesting like the most interesting time for me is immediately after hellbent because you're left in this state of her going well now what (laughs) and um yeah we have talked about it 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 Obviously, with the conversations on immortality, it's it's something that's naturally going to kind of be touched on at least. Um, but I don't think we'd quite be going into that territory. I mean, like in its it's, series, at least. It,
0: it, it's kind of a, you know just a, like, a
2: dramatic choice because mm. it would be you know it. You, yes,
0: following like the rules of immortality laid down by me, you could. Totally justify Clara going through the thing. same thing, but what's that me already has, and uh, which mm-hmm. is like explored, I think, quite a
2: bit. Like, mm-hmm. in, like the most interesting thing to have Clara have like the the exact same problem. No, yeah, I think. But you know,
0: like you know, we'll cross that bridge when we
2: yeah.
0: do it. Yeah,
2: I guess. I mean, I, mean, I guess um, it is kind of a big touching point for her memory loss because obviously. That was like. The, I think it's the single worst thing that could happen to her character is memory loss, um, because um, you know she she'd take death over it any day, as as we see in um, in Hell Bent, because mm. she, she it, her story means more to her than anything, um, and, um, and, her 50,
1: 50 and her past and her memories, story, yeah, um, as to whether it was her or the Doctor, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And. Um, obviously she like completely rebukes that and shuts it down um even though she does you know entertain the idea of flipping the coin and having it happen um but i think that's because her and the doctor are then on an even playing field um rather than him imposing it on her um but yeah it's it's a very interesting subject and the, the theme of memories obviously has a very big role in this series um, but not necessarily at least at this stage in that kind of forgetting because you've lived for so long because we can only really think in the short term with the, cons- the constraints we have at the moment mm. because obviously she hasn't got infinite time like she's got a t- she's a sen- you know she's got a ticking clock essentially um, it's not going she hasn't I know a lot of people like assume that you know she flies from the TARDIS and she could take as long as she likes, but I, I think it would be kind of it would get rid of some of the narrative tension if that was the case. Um, so it's nice to have kind sense of your on borrowed time, and um, so I think we at this stage at least we wouldn't want to get rid of that kind of feeling, um, which is what obviously living long enough to forget would. Be kind of warrant like it would warrant her being around for years and years and years um, which is not something we explore in this series
0: yeah I, I think like the, the stuff we kind of graded to wasn't necessarily like about forgetting but was more about like how do you remember I think mm-hmm. that's, that, that's more Yeah. The theme so, uh, this one episode which is um, the second episode of the series which is all written by uh, someone called Elferio and who was like very interested by the idea of me, who you know has this whole thing with her diaries and her memory, and kind of set a story on like um, a digital library that uh, keeps memories, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that. that's sort of, fun. yeah, that's like that's a big story I think that plays that plays with it, but it's kind of a, kind of a thing in in other ones like. Um, like the one that I've co, re- co- written because like the other writer couldn't finish it, so I step in. Which is uh, episode eight, is like about something from the point of view of like the reader, involving Clara, some kind of big event slash catastrophe that's kind of vague, and which like we we as read as readers discover through like. Bits and pieces of historical mm-hmm. documents, archive footage, that kind of stuff. So, like, it, yeah, I, I think like this theme of how you remember and kind of how you construct a story, a narrative, your own story and narrative, kind of really important. I
2: mm-hmm. suppose it's it's less memory and more legacy. I think is yeah. probably the best way to put it. Although memory obviously kind of ties into it, um, and um, and yeah, like. Um, that was a big thing in Series 9 as well, um, especially in Clara's context. It was about how the Doctor saw her, how how her legacy kind of informed the whole series. Like, you look at the woman who lived, and her shadow kind of hangs quite heavily over that story, even though she's not really in it. Um, yeah.
0: Or even, like, um, with the Zygon to her and, like, the idea of Osgood becoming almost, like, this living symbol, like, this self-replicating yeah, exactly. meme that spreads throughout
2: the Zaygon yeah and it it kind of it ties into the the kind of larger than life ideal of the doctor as well the doctor is more than one one incarnation one individual it's you know doctor who is more than one series one strict formula like it, it ties into something much bigger it's this kind of evolving mythos I guess um and that's another theme that's quite prominent in the series is the idea of, of myths because I love myths I, I I love mythology and uh you'll see in the uh The penultimate episode, episode 12, that is heavily inspired um, by folklore and uh, things like that, Um, but in a way that I I think has some very interesting things to say um, about Clara's character, and in some ways about the kind of hero archetype in Doctor Who as a whole. It's kind of a bit of a deconstruction of that. Um, Yeah. At
0: least I hope it is. <laughs> if I've yeah, it right? is. Uh, it's, it's very inspired, I think, by a writer like we both really love, uh, mm-hmm. who's uh, Andrei Sapkowski, who wrote like the, the Witcher books
2: mm-hmm. that are like these yes. days. Probably best known for the video games, and there's going to be a uh, TV adaptation soon mm-hmm. with uh,
1: Henry
0: Cavill. Uh, yeah. Without a moustache, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, we, we kind of did like that same work of like recontextualizing mythos and mm-hmm. myth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in his case, it was like uh, Slavic and East European le- l- legends and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and folk tales. Well, obviously, literary influence, Yay. yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I mean that series, uh, the books especially, really uh, inspired me. As a, as a writer, and especially in that story, um, because that, I mean, The Witcher series is kind of like, it's like if you combine Game of Thrones with Grimm's fairy tales, only I personally enjoy it a lot more than Game of Thrones, because I think it's very, it's more focused on individual characters, rather than the big political intrigue side of things. It's more about, you know, um, but I, I've always loved the kind of fairy tale, Framing of that series, um, and some of the stories in that series borrow directly from fairy tales. Like, there's a play on the Little Mermaid, a play on Beauty and the Beast, a play on Snow White. Um, so, Beauty and the
0: Beast one is so good. Yeah, it's
2: amazing. Um, and um, and in a weird way, like, I mean, to kind of spoil that series a bit, there are some weird overlaps with Doctor Who. Um, in in my in my opinion, at least, because there's a character who's literally. She's basically a human TARDIS. She'll just travel in time and space, and um, and you know she even shows up in our world at one point. She just lands on a motorway. Um, I think she causes the bubonic plague as well. Um, so yeah, and she does cause uh, Oh god, she does cause <laughs> really <laughs> it And, um, right. and uh, yeah, I, I've always loved that kind of like it, it. It starts off as a straight up fantasy series, and then it's like suddenly we're, oh, we're in Camelot now, all of a sudden. Like, it's just, it's a very kind of kind of off-the-wall series in a lot of ways. It's very kind of goofy as well. Um, although it's, like, presented as a very dark, fancy series, it has these really ridiculous, like, some of the stories are just romps. They're just ridiculous romps. Um, and, and one story's literally just centred around a pun or, like, a joke. Um, and, um, so yeah, they kind of had influenced me a bit more and specifically for this story but I think writing as a whole I love um because Doctor Who very much does that like if you look at the Stephen Moffat era especially he loves taking that fairy tale kind of aesthetic um those different kind of themes and and using them in in a Doctor Who context so obviously you've got like Amy obviously being like Wendy almost um and the Doctor being like Peter Pan Mm -hmm. um and then you've got uh, less a fairy tale kind of thing, but the River Song Doctor relationship is inspired by the Time Traveller's Wife, so that's another literary kind of inspiration. Um, so it's and very much what
0: you were saying regarding like the so, so tone mixing. Like Stephen Moffat mm. is a comedy writer,
2: you know, like yeah, he
0: started exactly. doing sitcom
2: and. What? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and and that's Doctor Who all over, isn't it? It's it's drawing from different. Uh, inspirations, different genres and kind of just throwing them all together into something completely unique um, and yeah I, I hope we've we I, I do kind of uh, feel like we've managed to create something that has tonal similarities to Doctor T because obviously it's a Doctor Two character set in the Doctor T universe. Um, but also it's kind of got its own thing going on. Um, and I think the literary kind of inspiration is a big part of that um, because we, we really love the fact that our main character is an English teacher. And, uh, you know, we have a few... Um, uh, people with teaching backgrounds working on the series, but people who were English teachers as well, which is quite oh. fun. Um, uh, Janine, lost, I think wasn't she? Janine, yeah, and um, Alex. Yeah, as
0: well. and Alex, yes. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Alex Wakeford, who co-wrote, uh, mm-hmm. so the one um, who's uh, an editor on the mm-hmm.
2: project.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, when will we see the series? Have you got um, a date?
2: <laughs> well, you see, um, we're actually planning, by the time this podcast is up, I probably would have put the, uh, the blog posts up, um, but basically, uh, as i kind of in that, the series has just, like we were talking about, it's become bigger and bigger and bigger, and we, we're now looking at what is essentially like, I don't have a book to hand, but like like that thick equivalent of a book um, so obviously that is going to take a while to edit mm-hmm. and streamline and polish and um, and then we've obviously got to think about things like the digital formatting and making sure that that is as readable as possible um, and we're going to look at obviously ebooks as well um, and uh, various other things um, to kind of make it just something really cool and exciting um, so yeah that's going to take time I think We're currently looking at a window of uh, the late summer, autumn-ish at the moment. I mean, it's never ideal having to push something like this back um, because obviously our initial release date uh, was last January, well, January 2019, but um, yeah, that, <laughs> that, was, that was very optimistic. Um, but that's just, you know, this is a fan project at the end mm-hmm. of the day. So everyone, the artists, the writers, the time they're dedicating you know, they've got other things to work around. They've got paid work to work around. They've got their jobs and careers. So obviously, we've got to account for that. Um, but the series is well into production. We've got several drafts that are, you know, done, dusted. um
0: yeah, so, so you know, really, like, we, we got, like, at least, I think, at this point, something like four or five stories that are, like, pretty much complete. Yeah, like, no, editing editing done left. everything, done, Yeah. Yeah, um, so, and a few others who are, like, already finished. So you know, Yeah, a lot of them are most finished. Most of it is done.
2: Yeah, um, a lot of it's finished. It's just editing now, and, and that can sometimes take a long time to sort out. Um, and... Um, So, yeah, we're going to kind of play it by ear. Um, I'm very much in the kind of position where um, we want to make sure that when we do nail down a date, we can hit it. So I don't want to say it's going to be this day or this week or, you know, until we know for sure... We're ready. We want this thing to be as as polished and, and kind of, because c- it is more than just the having the stories done. We want to present it in an interesting way, um, and. You know, I'm currently experimenting with the website to kind of implement features to make online screen reading as easy as possible. Um, And we've even looked down the line at things like translations um, and maybe even audiobooks one day. Um, But, um, yeah, so we're we're, we're going to have to play it by ear at the moment. Um, And and obviously we try and keep everyone in the loop as much as possible, but life happens. And... um, yeah, yeah.
0: We, we, we like are trying to avoid is 12 which is like, yes <laughs> uh, definitely beginning of next year because yeah. that that would be good so mm-hmm. you know probably before that
2: yeah it'll be before yeah. a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> um because uh, obviously we've got to account for like yeah. little, hopefully, hopefully not Mm-hmm. um but yeah it it's hard with a project like this um and um and especially as um like i i do a lot of the kind of uh website stuff and things like that and that takes time um uh, on top of the editing and everything else um and um and you know sometimes life just gets in the way a bit as well mm-hmm. um but um yeah we're we're, we're aiming for basically as soon as possible that's that's the goal essentially um and when we can narrow down a more specific date I mean a lot of the artwork is done uh we've only got a few more illustrations uh to finish um so we're moving on to things like promotional artwork and uh cover art things like that um so that's all going through and um and yeah, uh, so the main thing is editing, formatting, getting this thing as good as it possibly can be, so it's ready. And when it goes up, it's it's something really special, um, and that's what we're really hoping for. Um, so yeah, just just be patient with us because when it's done, it will be done, and uh, it will be as good as it can be, or at least that's the hope. Um, so yeah,
1: fantastic. I'm really looking forward to reading it. Uh, so in the meantime, um, I'll, I'll put a link to the website oh
2: um, thank you
1: and you've got a twitter account as well
2: yes uh, our twitter is uh, at Clara Oswald T U A, I I believe um, oh, yeah yeah that's it and um, <laughs> and uh, yeah so if, if anyone ever has any like questions or uh, wants to know more about the stuff um, then they can always hit us up on twitter um, yeah and, uh,
0: Ruth is at at undiscovered Adv.
2: And, yeah, it's short for undiscovered and, adventure, but yeah,
0: yeah that's and what I'm uh, at uh, looking for tell like the
2: Doctor Who planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
0: it's it feels a few pun, so you know. <laughs> um. So
2: yeah, and um, we're we're really trying to keep things like with our previews to try and keep up, you know, a nice steady stream of uh, of content and uh, and teasers and things like that, and um so yeah and we'll keep you all up to date uh, as to how things are going and when we can actually narrow down that release date because when we do I will try my utmost to make sure that we hit it um but yeah it's better to kind of keep things vague now than say pin something down and then you know going sorry guys I want to move it back more and um so yeah but you know this is a massive project like way bigger than it started off as it started off as you know a few friends coming together to write some stories uh, about a Doctor Who character but it's kind of turned into this you know we're treating it like a, a series like a like a novel we're basically writing a massive anthology novel about Clara um and we kind of want it to have all of that polish and uh, and also a massive thing that actually extends the the time frame on how the production time frame is the fact that it's not self contained stories like they are self contained but there's so much that goes into the character development, making sure the continuity lines up because there are so many like it's crazy. I've been writing down, like, editing notes for things that I need to keep track of when we do the continuity passes of the drafts, and it's insane how many little plot threads and details, like, the most... It, it really makes you realise how much writers actually have to think about uh, when show running, because there are so many, like, insignificant small things that you pick up on, and you have to make sure, because you know we're writing it from the perspective of fans and if there are things that don't line up you know i'm a proper continuity yeah. like <laughs> buff i i i like it when things are referenced and paid off properly um and um i mean it is part of the charm when there are some like slip bars but for the most part you want to kind of have that cohesion and sense yeah. of like everything coming together and being paid off properly, Um, especially in terms of, like, the arcs, um, because we want to make sure those are done right and those are executed properly. Um, uh, So, yeah, it is... I I remember, like, it's
0: the time we spent on, like, Drafting the finale. Oh my like, god! I <laughs> the finale.
2: I, I I I think
0: like didn't we have like a, a plotting document in Google Docs like? Yeah. not it end up at like eighty pages or something? Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> it, it was god, insane. insane. Loads of conversation.
2: That um yeah that <laughs> we we've actually you we barely said anything about the finale um because episode twelve is not the finale um it's kind of the lead-in, but it's also not... It's, it's very hard to explain exactly what the role of that episode is. Um, but, um, yeah, the finale itself, episode 13, which is its own entity, we're not saying anything about We're not even going to give you a title just yet. You will get it, and before it's released, but um, we're being very careful with that one, because... Um,
0: spoilers.
2: spoilers. Yeah, everywhere. spoilers partly. <laughs> um, but also because... It's very important that you don't know much too much about that one for a very important reason, and you'll see what that reason is. Um, <laughs> um, but it's not it's not necessarily a conventional two part finale. I'll just put it that way. Um, but there is a certain point in this series where you'll have a very good idea of what's going to go down. Um, I'm not going to tell you when that is, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's very exciting.
1: Cool. That's great. Well, hopefully, uh, we can get you both back on when the series launches or when it's underway, mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk uh, again. And,
2: were very yeah, uh, we we definitely love to do like a proper pre-series uh, a launch and, uh, you well, know,
0: maybe maybe getting more into like the the episodes themselves. Yeah, the individual
2: episodes. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it's um, we'll see you next time, I guess. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining me.
2: It's been Thanks. a pleasure.
1: Uh, so I'll put all the links in the show notes to your Twitter accounts and to the um, Untold Adventures yeah. website. Uh, thank you very much for listening at home. Um, look out over the weekend for a flashcast from Pete and Colin. Uh, they're going to be reporting from the Planet of the Daleks screening at the BFI. Thanks very much. Goodbye.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.